Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity, and I am here with Tony yet again, but I'm not really here with you this yeah. time. It, it's different now that we've actually been uh, uh, in the same room recording again. Like It's like, I'm here with you. Mm, are you though? Are I mean, in spirit, me? just not in truth. Just not in truth. They, that's what someone will probably say after today's episode. So this will be fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this will be a blast. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Um. So I, this week, I'm preaching at, so I say this week, but this episode is not going to release until a week after this happens. The week that we record um, this, yeah. Yeah, I'm preaching at Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm really excited about this trip because we always take um, we always take a group of students out there, you know, every year with Engage, and and uh, I get to I've been asked to speak for YGE service, the YGE service. It's their young adult service at Arlington, and I'm really excited because so YGE has done something a little bit different, and now they they do the the sermon first which is really like strange. Like, so they do the sermon first and then it's the worship. So it's like the, a regular can think of, if you think of a regular contemporary service, just like flip the order and it's super actually, weird. Yeah. I like that. It makes sense. Like it, when yeah, you think it about it, it makes sense. What but, you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. But the other, the other half of this is like, it's going to throw me off because it's the first time I've been a part of that. Yeah. But I get to open the first five, 10 minutes with like an opening, like game or interactive activity, something to kind of, uh, help people settle into the sermon, right? And settle into the service. And so they, they, they've they used this thing called Kahoot, which is something that was created for like teachers and stuff. And think of it like an online, uh, like an online quiz app that you can use with a classroom full of people or an arena full of people. And you create this online quiz. Everyone enters this code on their phone using the app or using like Safari or something. 
enter this code, they enter into the game, and then you start it from your laptop, you project it onto the screen, and they get to play along. So I've decided to do a quiz, right? I've decided to do a quiz for them using this this program called Kahoot. And I'm really excited because normally, like, I looked at some of YG's past services, and normally when they've used Kahoot, like, they've been, like, legitimate facts, right? So, like, you know, what did uh, the Domino's founder... Uh, famously give his wife on their first Valentine's date date together? And the answer was like a heart-shaped pizza. Um, but like, or so like... That that seems just lazy. Or... Uh, what, a heart-shaped... Well, no, 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 no. It was like before Domino's was a thing, I think. Oh, okay. Um, no, then that's yeah. awesome. And she's like, this yeah, is delicious. Really cool, yeah. You should... You should... Uh, Go into business. Make it crap and then or start what selling year- it. What year were those hearts, you know, the candy hearts around Valentine's Day? What yeah. year were those first created? Things like that, right? So, so like, factoids like that. I no, you were wrong. I think Damn. it's 1866. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. 1866 is when the technology, I think, was developed. They made all of them back imprint. then. Yeah. That's, they well, made I don't know if they made them, like, one. in that, yeah. No, like, every literally single, every single one that's ever been made was made back then. That's why they're so well, bad. Well, tastes like it. Yeah, exactly. Tastes like it. Because they were made um, with chalk. Because they thought that so, asbestos chalk was good for you. I've decided to do this quiz where it's it is a fact based quiz, but the facts are really just my personality. So it's like, what is uh, the best fast food cantina grill? The answer to that question is obviously Chipotle, but the options should, will be like you, A, you should, Chipotle, you put B, like, obviously Chipotle, like nasty Mo's, <laughs> like like make the answers yeah. like really clear. But then, then like, like question question two is like, what is a hundred divided by four? A a hundred, B four, C twenty five, or D Jesus? Now, I know what you're thinking. The answer is going to be a hundred percent Jesus. Just so we're clear, uh, the answer is yeah, going to be Jesus, yeah. and everyone's going to be really mad at me that selected twenty five. And I'm going to reference the fact that when we were all children in math class, we all thought we were being cheeky, and we all wished that we could put Jesus as the answer. Because Jesus is always the answer. So this was our one chance to live out that childhood dream of Jesus being the answer to our math problems. All right. So that's the answer to all the world's problems. I saw a tweet on that from somebody today. They were talking about somebody's like losing their mind and they were like, Jesus, the answer to all the world's problems. So I'm like, well, maybe not the oil crisis, but I respect the. Speaking of oil crisis, I, I respect the, uh, the, the thought behind it no like I, I you should definitely also have one where it's like who would win in a fight and then just aslan aslan always wins and just have that be like aslan definitely aslan absolutely aslan and or always aslan. always aslan yeah well no like the see, then, always so aslan. all the questions are dumb like that right but then the last question like i said you you, you know funny you bring up oil spill what was the name of the oil tanker that spilled 11 million gallons of crude oil into Prince William Sound in 1989? <laughs> that's Valdez. good. That's it's the Exxon Valdez, correct? Yeah. But no, I, I'm really excited that. about that because I'm going to drop that like out of like a bunch of dumb yeah. questions and then like one <laughs> and, like <laughs> at the at the very end. What is the issue with? Uh, uh, um, what is the geopolitical nature? Yeah, of yeah, the, the current, some, like, some, yeah, yeah, something. I was gonna Something do like I was really, gonna really do, intellectual. Yeah, what were the what were the economics effect? You know, the economic effect of the uh, the. Uh, why can't I think of it? The the bowl. Yeah, exactly. Or something. This is perfect. Yeah, on the south 
during the uh, post, you know, uh, the the I, the, uh, the post war period. I don't know something. Whatever. The point is, um, I'm really glad that face planted. Yeah. No. Like it. Here's what sucks. I took a nap today, and my brain still is is off. You ever had that before, where you take a nap and you sleep for too long, and all of a sudden the rest of the day you're like, I can't think. That's, That's why I was late to this recording. It's literally happening to me right now. I'm like, I can't even focus. Good. On well, anything. then that 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 makes that that means that this is the perfect episode for us to go through what yeah. we're going to go through today. It, um, it'll be great because you'll say something and I'll be like, oh, sure, whatever. Like you can say virtually anything you want, and I'll just be like, yeah, I, yeah, whatever. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You are correct, sir. So today we are talking about the taboos of Christianity. And the reason we're talking about this actually is I'm trying to do, we are trying to be a little bit more interactive with how we choose these topics and, and, and choose what we're talking about. And so uh, I've been putting up on my Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, um, we've been asking questions like, what do you want to hear us talk about? What are things that you are passionate about? And that's going to be happening a lot more often. Or if we choose the topic, we're going to start posting it on Facebook ahead of time, Instagram ahead of time, wanting to get your opinions before we record so that we can actually include, you know, you have a seat at this table as a listener. And we want you to have, you know, we want you to have your opinions properly represented here as well in a way that doesn't actually throw you under the bus. So you're not actually accountable, really. You know what I mean? Like That's the best um, part is you you can like secretly tell us what you think and then we'll kind of talk about it. And and then your friends can be like, can you hear? Can you imagine what they did on absurdity? Did you hear that nonsense? And you can be like, yeah, yeah. those guys are crazy, but you don't yeah. have to catch any flack for that. We'll we'll but it's we'll catch that bullet for you. But if we disagree with you, all bets are off, and we will one hundred percent disagree with you yeah. on this podcast. We'll call you uh, out by a, name, just, specifically too. Yeah, if we disagree with you, we'll throw you under. No, we won't do that. We will not actually do that at all. My, it's my so, job to get thrown under the bus. That's my it's position true. on this podcast. That's literally why Tony is here. So we're, the reason we're talking about the taboos is actually not because someone wrote in asking us to talk about the taboos, but because the, um, enough people messaged in separate things that we realized, like, yeah, we can talk about all of yeah. these from one, kind of through one episode. There's no need to spend an hour on every single one of these. And uh, I don't think... I think us giving an hour to all to each one of these would be un, would be giving them more importance than um, I think they need to have. Yeah. And well, and so mean, if that doesn't give you a hint um, into how I feel about a lot of these. <laughs> subtle, subtle forward. I think the other thing is, unless you're an expert in each one of those things. And what's crazy is like we got messages for pretty much everything we're going to talk about today. Like individually, people are like, can you talk about this specific thing and this specific thing and this specific thing? Um, and it's like, unless you're an expert on that thing, um, really you shouldn't need an hour to talk about it. Um, unless you can really go into the facts and the research and the numbers and which we, A, don't have the energy or time for, and then B, like, 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 like you said, we're kind of going to explain why that's not even. Yeah. Now let's be clear. We did. This isn't a Bible study. Yeah, no. <laughs> so we're not going to sit here and go through all of the little Bible texts and try to prove to you one way or the other. Like, this is not a Bible study. All right, let's, let's, let's be like 100% clear about that fact. And, so, and realistically, for a lot of the things that we're going to talk about, 
there are a couple things, but for the most of them, the Bible texts are silent, um, and it's only a misinterpretation of some things uh, that we might maybe address a little bit. But for the most part, the Bible doesn't really speak on these types of things. So I think to set a framework here, the best idea would be uh, to actually let's start with the fundamental belief 22. I love that Tony knew exactly where I was going before I actually went there. So this lays a foundation. Um, so for our non-Adventist listeners, we are going to talk about this from within the framework of Seventh-day Adventism. So there are a couple of these are actually going to be really specific to Seventh-day Adventism, but... Uh, that doesn't mean that this isn't translatable for you. So you can think about the tattoos that you have uh, in in your specific denomination or faith expression, and you can think, oh, what are the principles that they're talking about from their perspective that can apply to mine? So this isn't ev- don't, this isn't like a throwaway episode. Just understand, yeah. like we're talking from the lens that we have, because everyone so. has taboos. Like every, <clears throat> I mean, you even have just social taboos. Like society is. Like what society deems is not appropriate or is vulgar or obscene, like that's determined by society. So everybody has something that's taboo. Yep, exactly. So let's start with uh, belief number 22. So belief number 22 is Christian behavior. And it says, God calls us to live in light of his grace, knowing the infinite cost God paid to save us. Through the Holy Spirit, we glorify God in our minds, bodies, and spirits. All right, so that's the, 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 the general gist of it. But uh, this does go into great detail. It says, we are called to be godly, a godly people who think, feel, and act in harmony with biblical principles in all aspects of personal and social life. For the Spirit to recreate in us the character of our Lord... We involve ourselves only in those things that will produce Christ-like purity, health, and joy in our lives. This means that our amusement and entertainment should meet the highest standards of Christian taste and beauty. While recognizing cultural differences, our dress is to be simple, modest, and neat, befitting those whose true beauty does not consist of outward adornment, but in the imperishable ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit." It also means that because our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, we are to care for them intelligently. Along with adequate exercise and rest, we are to adopt the most healthful diet possible and abstain from the unclean foods identified in scriptures. Since alcoholic beverages, tobacco, and the irresponsible use of drugs and narcotics are harmful to our bodies, we are to abstain from them as well. Instead, we are to engage in whatever brings our thoughts and bodies into the discipline of Christ, who desires our wholesomeness, joy, and goodness. And then there's a list of about 20 different verse citations to uh, kind of back up some of these principles and things that are listed here. Now, I am going to be honest, because that's what this podcast is about, is my honesty. Oh, I really thought it was about, like, you just shouting into a void so people will love you. Yeah, you don't actually exist, Tony. You're the, you know what you are? You're that Microsoft, you're Microsoft Sam. That's who you are. I'll take I type it. into I'll take I type it. into a dialogue box and then you just say whatever I typed. Honestly, he's he's slim. Like I'd take that. He's in good shape. So I have some issue with this only because um and and this is true like the, and when I say issue with this, I don't mean that I don't think it should be here or that you know I have like some major bone to pick with 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 anything. Really my issue with this is my issue with anything that gets too specific from a um, let me say this from a general point of view or from, from a more, uh, sky view. So if we, 
that didn't make sense. So let me put it in a way that does make sense. I am wary of any group that tries to uh, control the or or determine the day to day or very personal actions of its members. So the more specific of laws the government gives, the more specific of laws the church gives. That's where my like that's just in general where my flags tend to go up and flags go up here mainly because um, I don't really know or feel as if the way that we dress should be a fundamental belief or even should be a, like, do you see what I mean? And yeah. uh, So that, that's kind of, that's just an example. So there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of taboos in this. It's something that people like, for those who don't know, the 28 fundamental beliefs were originally a lower number, uh, but they were originally written in, I want to say 1957 Later than say, that, I think. Something like that. It, it, it was started in 1957 because we had questions on doctrine back then. Um, but anyway, the point is that they were they were started as a way because everyone's like, you guys are a cult. And we're like, we're not a cult. Here's Here, here are the basic things that we believe. Um, so they weren't like a way for us to determine whether or not someone is Adventist or not. But it was it, they're there so that other people can kind of understand who we are as a basic framework, right? That is not how they have been taken. Um, we resisted putting them like that for for so long, uh, for a very very long time. In fact, our our like the founders of our church would have voted that down. They would not have created them. They fought terribly hard against them. Uh, the church split a couple times because people wanted to do that. And and oh. So um, they were adopted in 1980. The 27 1980. fundamentals were adopted yeah, in 1980. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I knew 57 was 57 was too that early. Was the, yeah, but that was the questions on doctrine that kind of got the ball rolling because we yes. started to kind of nail down like what we actually uh, to sy- systematize Which, it. I guess Q, Q, QOD for anyone who doesn't know QOD. If I'm I I hope I'm right on this. I think I'm right, but now like I'm having that thing where I'm like second guessing myself yeah. as I fact check something. Ah, go for QOD it. QOD is basically when we when we gather together with a bunch of uh, non Adventist theologians and basically let them question us to death. Right. And we question them to and death. Question and it was back. it was there. It was them trying to decide is Seventh Day Adventism a cult? A cult or not. And at the yeah. end of that process, the book Questions on Doctrine was actually Oops. formed out of that. Mm-hmm. And they determined, like, no, SDAs aren't a cult. We're not, we're not a cult. We're actually, and the funny thing is we've gone into, like, mainstream Christianity now. Not mainline. That's, like, that's like Lutheran and, and Anglican. We're, we're mainstream, though. We're considered, like, part of the main evangelical kind of group now, which yes. is cool. Um, anyway, so uh, those that was why it's there. So when you do get into those specifics, you have to understand this is how other people are going to view us. So when you say we need to be careful what we wear, I can respect that because I'm like, yeah, you're representing us. But when you get into thou shalt not wear this, that's when it's like, okay, you've now turned it from they're looking at us to I'm looking at you, like us looking at ourselves. and, And that's kind of where... Everything goes on. I, I'm with you on that. I think the attitude that people have in regards to that. I, I've I've said for a long time, policy is meant to protect. It's not meant to restrict. Um, in the moment it becomes restrictive, we should begin to question it. Um, you know, you just you have to have some form of policy to protect you to make sure that you know there there has to be healthy boundaries in anything. 
Um, well, there is there is some overlap too between protective and restrictive. Like right. Sometimes yeah, I yeah, restrict yeah, yeah, you yeah, to yeah. protect you, and you have to determine what that line is. And right. I, and I do think that that line is not always an objective line. But the general purpose should be, yeah. Like the purpose isn't I want to keep you from doing something. The purpose should be in order to protect you, I have to keep you from doing this. But that's the ultimate. Like that's where it kind of starts, um, or that's the, the the main purpose behind it. So no, I'm I'm 100 with you on that. I think we need to, and the language of it has changed on 22. I believe they just edited it, edited it, it, it again. Um, I think I just had a stroke trying to say that. Don't worry. Time. I was talking with Matthew Lucio, who hosts the Advanced History Podcast. Yeah. I had the same problem. I said editable. And then I was like, "Editable, editable, Ed- edit- and it's and then we like, yeah, you can't I'm, edit it without the editing. I think you, I think if you say editable or editing or any sort of form of the word edit, edit. you are having some sort of minor stroke. I don't edit, edit, know edit, edit. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. It is. It is in the process of. Un- it, it, I think it's <laughs> currently undergoing some some word changes in general. Right, and so yeah. there. It's it, it, it's and and there. I think they're all meant to be elastic to a degree flexible to a degree um because again it's it's represent it's meant to this is how we show who we are to the world and so you have to be a little bit flexible because we're not one race one culture one people we come from a bunch of different places and it's continuing to grow we're not static we're not meant to be static so yeah Mm -hmm. i i think the moment you start getting and again when you get into specifics you lose that flexibility Right, you lose that yeah. ability to to adapt, um, because when you get into specifics, you either have to to you become more general to be able to adapt, or you lose the ability to do that. And then, as nature has shown us time and time again, you die off because a new apex predator comes into the area. Um, now, I've been watching a lot of Blue Planet, a lot of Blue Planet lately. Uh, so, oh well. like, like maybe all right. So let's kind of go into some of the specifics. Now, now that we've talked about that and kind of address maybe some of them. Okay, so first of all, let, let's go with the temple of the Holy Spirit thing um, before we before we jump into. I I do right. have some issues with using the temple of the Holy Spirit outside of the scriptural context where we are our bodies of the temple of the Holy Spirit is used, which is First Corinthians nineteen, and it is in well, it's six, specific context six, of yeah yes yeah, sorry First Corinthians six nineteen yeah, sorry good. six nineteen and twenty, um, and it's in <laughs> so the context just going of. Through- First Corinthians. 19. Where is it? And there's, there's 19. There's no 19. Uh, so now, wait, is it? Doesn't matter. All right. It doesn't matter. Off topic. Six. You're good. The, but the temple of the Holy Spirit is used in the specific context of sexual immorality. And I don't like that we pull just 6, 19, and 20 out of that, that greater context uh, where, where Paul is talking about sexual immorality and you know, on the whole and collectively for the church. And we say, okay, so this means that we have to take care of food. Like, like we've made temple of the Holy spirit into more than what it is. Uh, and as if, and this is what I love as if anything we do is more powerful than the cleansing, uh, you know, the, 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 the cleansing power or ability of the Holy spirit. That's what I love. That, that that because we've taken it out of the context of sexual immorality, talking, you know, we talk about al- alcoholic beverages, tobacco, or jewelry and tattoos. Oh, you're ruining the temple. You're ruining the temple. You're ruining the temple. As if as if God is not more powerful than anything that you and I could potentially do. Um, yeah. Outside of that. Yeah. 
let's so that that I just I just wanted to say that because that that does bug me a plus, little bit. Well, plus, and you have to understand the context that Paul is saying this in archaeology time, um, Corinth. And for those of you who've heard this analogy before, or maybe this these these facts about it before, bear with us. But Corinth was um, the ancient world's kind of version of Las Vegas. Um, it was a, a, a phrase at the time to play the Corinthian meant uh, to be lascivious, shall we say. Um, it meant to be sexually promiscuous. And so he's talking to a place where worship and sex were connected. And I believe they are to a degree. Um, but for them to have sex with a prostitute uh, was to worship whatever prostitute that or whatever god that prostitute was attached to. <laughs> so it was more man. If you had switched that one up, well, <laughs> yeah, that too. Yes. But yeah. but so so it's it, even even in the context of sexual morality. While that is a principle, keep in mind that Paul is saying this is beyond even that. This goes into the concept of idol worship. This goes into the concept yeah. of acknowledging another god. So yes, it is also don't commit adultery, but it, 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 it's beyond even that. So when he talks about the temple of the Holy spirit, he's literally referring, you cannot take your temple can either belong to God or to Zeus or Hera or, you know, Jupiter, Mars, whatever. So Um, the idea is you're giving your body to another God. And when you, that's the idea. And, and, and then he, you know, he kind of goes through that way. He's like, you know, you're, you're, this is the only, one of the only sins where this is also against yourself. This isn't just another person, you know, this is also you. Two people are being affected here because your body is a temple. So who who owns your temple? Um, and, and yeah, removing it from that context, you lose mm-hmm. that. It just becomes this, it, it becomes a very trite and very, I don't know, not shallow per se, but becomes something that isn't as depth. It doesn't have the gravitas that you understand where, where Paul is literally saying, I'm not just saying, yeah, don't eat, you know, sugar. You're worshiping another God. Don't worship these other gods. That's a very deep core concept. Yeah. So with that, now that that framework is out of the way, let's talk. Uh, My list is, this is the list. Jewelry, tattoos, bacon, swearing, drinking bacon. I don't know why I put bacon twice, but bacon is twice. So let's start with jewelry and tattoos. These two things always seem to go together, uh, jewelry and tattoos. This one's fun uh, because this actually goes back to uh, Levitical laws and, and um, the the Mosaic law and where they were told, hey, don't have any piercings, don't have any markings on your body. And I actually got into a uh, debate with a former roommate of mine because he he asked me one day, he's like, "Hey man, are, are tattoos okay?" And I and I answered him, and then he was like, "Wait, but uh, doesn't doesn't the Old Testament actually like specifically say the word tattoos?" And he like pulls out his Bible and shows me that it says the specific word tattoo. Tattoo is like, and I was like, "Okay, the Bible wasn't written in English." Well, beyond <laughs> that, tattoo is actually a I want to say a a Polynesian word. Well, yeah, but like the point being like that, that, like, yeah, yeah, to some extent, translation is an interpretive work, yeah. and uh, th- there are several translations for the for the Hebrew word that is used there, and uh, the idea that these markings, said, so there were some reasons that jewelry and tattoo were were not uh, were not uh, encouraged, I should say, for ancient Israel, and 
uh, mainly because uh, tattoos back in in those days, A, because of the technology and what would go into the tattoo. So what the actual ink was made out of, uh, you could get infected. uh, You could get um, you like you could literally become sick. Uh, you often, if they were drugs, like they could, like the tattoo itself could like eke into your bloodstream and uh, similar to narcotics have an issue. You could have issues there. Uh, also, tattoos were usually meant to worship the dead or to worship uh, other gods or were used as a type of branding. And so you've got several issues there where if you had a tattoo, because the technology was different, because getting a tattoo was a much more kind of intentional process there. Uh, as far as like, it was a bigger deal to get a tattoo, right? Because it, it it meant something greater than just the ink on your skin. Then there was, um, yeah, there are some real problems there. And there were health problems there. Well, there were and, health risks there. And it specifically says, do not mark your body, which is a better translation. Do not mark your body for the dead. Doesn't yeah. say don't mark your body. It says Doesn't, don't mark your body for the dead. And yes, the health reasons are there. A lot of Leviticus is, is very pragmatic, but it had that concept of when you, uh, in for those cultures, you would mark your body uh, in, a, in an act of, again, it goes back to that worship, right? Like taking it out of that context, it goes back to worship. Um, if I tattoo the Apple logo on my body, what do I want people to know? That I'm, an, you know, I'm, I'm a yeah. member of a cult, obviously. Um, but no, like that, I love Apple, right? And so I'm in a sense giving my body over to Apple. Now for us, it's not that deep. Um, for us, it's just a, a form of self-expression. Um, and a lot of different cultures have tattoo or tattoos as um, kind of a cultural thing. And it means certain things. And it means like, oh, you're attached to this tribe or whatever, where you're from. Um, and, and for them, it's not as big a deal. But for the, for, for that culture... It was a very specific form of worship, and you would you would literally mark yourself attached to this dead person and gain powers from them. Um, they would come to you in the afterlife. It was a whole, whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's so much more than just a mark like you're saying, and it's even more than just a health thing because, I mean, you still get ink poisoning today if it's not done right. Like, well, I mean, technically, like health-wise, a tattoo is literally just an infection your body is constantly fighting. Yeah. Like to, yeah, like that's like like literally look that up. You can fact check me on that. That's what it is. Uh, it's it's not anything significant enough. And the ink is it, like the, the body just responds to it that way. Um, but it's not actually going to make you sick or like kill you or anything. But back then with the with the technology they would use, it was you, you the uh, uh, the depth wasn't as easy to control as it is today. Um, and again, they didn't know about sanitation. So they would just take something and just jab it into you. Um, or they weren't as aware about sanitation. So God's like, well, since you don't know these principles, just don't. Don't do it's easy. Like, don't mark so it it's, for the dead. Yeah. The idea is it's kind of like it's easier to just tell a kid don't touch the stove at all than it is to teach the kid how to use the stove before, you know, that that period of time is re- that, like that age or that place they are in their lives or in the world is not appropriate for them. I'm not saying Israel was like a kid. I'm just saying culturally, the understanding of sanitation was uh, more ignorant than it is today. Very limited. So it's easier to just, yeah. so it's easy. Yeah. It's easier to just say, don't do these things. Don't do X than it is to say, well, okay, X is okay. And X, Y, Z issue. You know what I mean? Like, so that's part of it. And I think um, with, with, 
with jewelry and tattoos now, I actually learned this from a friend of mine who will be on this podcast soon, but um, in Hollywood, they hate tattoos. Movie studios and TV shows hate tattoos because if a if an actor has tattoos, get this, uh, the actual art on a on a person's body, the tattoo on a person's body is copyrighted to the tattoo artist. artist. Yeah. So they have to track down every individual artist that any that put any ink that is going to be visible in the movie or TV show. And they actually have to get the rights to uh, to actually like record and, and, and produce a film that has that tattoo in it. Most times and, they just cover it with makeup. They literally hire a makeup artist yeah, because it's cause cheaper to put someone on on salary for the entire movie to cover up. Yeah. Like Angelina Jolie, that was a whole thing. They had to have like I want to say three uh, different makeup artists. I would go through and just cover up her entire body because they're like, we can't afford. It's cheaper to have this than it is, it is to, to hunt down all these do people, the get thing. their rights, yeah. pay them for it. Yeah. So let's if if Levitical laws. Not uh, not all of them, but if some of these were a response to the way that culture regarded these things, well, culture regards these things now as kind of largely like it's just an art form. And while there are still some cultures that definitely tattoo for like more worshipful purposes, yeah, yakuza, and yeah, if we're talking, mm-hmm. if we're talking like you're just your standard like average Joe person in America, uh, two tattoos and jewelry to them are like. The first tattoo always means something. The more tattoos you get, the less all of them mean. They're like, it's, it's oh, like you a get? hat. Like, what's yeah? Like what's the, the first story fedora this you one? ever buy, or the first ball cap you ever buy? It matters, and eventually, like, I just collect ball caps. Yeah, like I just have hats. Like now. I just have a bunch I of just hats. Thought I just this wear was them. neat. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was just neat. Now there is a line here, and this is this is this is my question, and actually everything that we have. This is my foundational question, which is this. Uh, not what are you getting, but why are you getting it, and to what lengths are you willing to go? Uh, I actually had a friend um, and, who uh, wanted to get her ears pierced, and I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, didn't really care about it. She asked me what I thought. Didn't really care. Well, uh, she actually ended up, her parents, she knew her parents didn't want her to have one. So she ended up, uh, while in college, going out to a different city with a friend of hers, like on home leave or, or you know, just signing out of the dorm. And in that other city, she just got it done behind her parents' back and then just went home and made her parents accept it. And uh, there I was like, the 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 issue isn't your piercing, right? It's not your ear piercing. It's what you it's what you were willing to do to get it. It's the fact that you were willing to disrespect your parents and and go behind their and I was very straight up with her about it. So if she happens to listen to this and she knows who she is, if she happens to listen to this, like I'm not saying anything that, that she didn't already know from me. But this is that you know my my question tends to be where is your heart in this? And uh for the most for the most part tattoos and piercings nowadays are harmless things. But if your heart is oh I um you know, I don't think I'm pretty enough or I don't think I'm good looking enough without this. Um, you know, I think there is a heart issue going on there. I think there is a heart issue if if part of your beauty completely depends on or part of your worth as a human being completely depends your on having these yeah. things. Yeah, like that's absolutely true, because then it stems from a improper uh, or, or low self image that isn't that isn't what God has intended for us. Fair yeah. enough. My question is always, where is your heart? So with jewelry and piercings, um, most people don't know that actually jewelry and piercings were encouraged in the Bible um, because you have to read through the boring books to get to that. 
Um, but uh, nose piercing was actually ha- like our version of a wedding ring. Like a woman wore a nose piercing to indicate that she was married, and that was encouraged. Um, there were certain bangles they would wear um, to 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 mean certain things, and it was like, no, 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 wear that. No, it was totally cool. Um, there is a specific time where Israel removed it, and that's the theological kind of uh, basis that we have uh, for the Adventist Church. Uh, the Adventist Church came out out of um, the Methodist and Baptist kind of strains, a lot of different places, but mostly there. And Methodists and Baptists tend to take a very self-effacing, um, not not self, like we we want to put the focus off of not ourselves uh, in, in, in the Methodist, or at that time in the Methodist and Baptist uh, worlds. And so they tend to be very modest, um, you know, self, not concealment per se, but just kind of like, you know, don't, don't focus on me, focus on God. That was the main focus of that. So they didn't wear a lot of jewelry, but there is a theological purpose behind. Uh, so for us as Adventists, we believe that we are in the last time. God is now cleansing the sanctuary. He's doing the, the, the current act of judgment and all of that. And so when Israel was under judgment, they actually would take out their jewelry um, to indicate to the world, hey, you know, something's happening right now. And so we're going to not be as ostentatious. We're not going to be as as big a deal. Um, and it was it was meant to show everybody that something something serious is happening. Something serious is going on. Now that's a theological argument for why jewelry and piercings, you know, take it away beyond the modesty act. Uh, because I always felt like modesty was a very so modesty and stewardship are very weak arguments. If anyone comes up to you and goes, it's about modesty and stewardship, respond back to what's the difference between an $80 tie and a $5 bracelet, right? What's the difference yeah. between a $3,500 suit, forget that, an $800 suit and an $800 necklace, right? They're achieving the exact same purpose. Um so, you know, people people who won't wear jewelry but will buy super expensive cars, you know, come on. Like you're it's yeah. not you're 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 just cherry picking at well, that and, point. And let's be let's be let's be clear too. Modesty, ninety nine percent of the time that I hear modesty brought up, it's just a way to victim blame. Yeah. It's and victim it's shame. Not, That's it's all it's not it is. about protecting the other side. Modesty is no supposed to protect guys. Not women. No yeah. Men, modesty like, is supposed to protect like, guys because we tend to be more visual. And so when we see leg, it just excites us or ankle. I don't know, whatever. Point is, like, it's supposed to protect guys. But instead, we use it to be like, oh, you, you, not, you hussy. I'm trying to think of not offensive words. Well, no, but that's what we do. Like, like women, you need to. And that's the other thing. Modesty's only ever brought up to women. The only thing that we say to guys is don't wear a Speedo. I was offended. I was offended by Adam Levine's nipples. I'll say it. I'll say it. I didn't want to see him. I didn't have a choice. And yet I had to see a grown man's nipples at the Super Bowl. And I was not I happy. I was mainly with it. upset at that because I like that was a reminder of, of what I don't look like rather than you, you, like, a little Adam bit. Levine's like you look a little guy. bit like yeah. him. Yeah. No, but, no, no I don't. I, I'm with you. It is a double standard. It really is. And it's not, it really isn't fair. Like, guys, I, that's the other thing. All right, guys. And I'll admit it. I'll even, I even wear not skinny jeans, but at least some slim straight jeans. And it's to accentuate it. It's like, I think I look nice in this. 
But then I have had people say, oh, well, girls shouldn't wear skinny jeans because it, it shows out their figure. I'm like, well, I'm wearing them right now. So, yeah. like, I, you know, I wear V-cut shirts because I like showing a little, you know, the chest hair. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, they're more comfortable. But but honestly, like, no one tends to go to guys unless you're wearing, like, a Speedo. Yeah. And, well, and, and that's too, like, I, I, I was, I, I heard a pastor once say, you know, oh, I love the worship, but, you know, I just couldn't get into it because I could see right up the, the girl's dress on stage. And I'm like, then look elsewhere. Or That's pray. not her like, fault. Yeah. Like, like, that is definitely not and, her fault. And look, I will fully admit, I have had that moment. Um, I won't say where or who, because I don't want to shame anybody, but I, I went on a trip with Engage one time. And one of the singers, she wore a dress that was really high. It, it was, was me. really high, and it was Plot really twist, distracting was me. to me. And you know what I did? I stopped looking at her. I mean, shocker. Now, 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 will I admit? Would it have been easier? Would my experience have been easier had she not worn that? Yes, it would have made my. It was because I would have had that option. But all I did, I just I looked. I closed my eyes. I sang because I'm like I'm here to focus on God. Um, not on her ex, you know, and she had very, oh, she gee. was in shape, so, you know. So, so you're saying your connection and worship to God was, uh, dependent on you, not anyone else? Yes. Shocker. It was a big, it was um, a big there's surprise. A, there's a so, novel idea. So jewelry and piercings, when it comes to that, to me, I say, why, like, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. I want to disagree with you at some point, but I'm with no. you. The reason Modesty. behind it is why my sister used to say yeah. that my sister doesn't wear jewelry, uh, or have any piercings or tattoos, anything like that. Um, but she wears makeup. And she literally says, the reason why I wear makeup is because if someone sees me wearing makeup, I want to look nice. She doesn't go crazy with it. But but even if she did, she goes, I want to wear makeup because this is an acceptable form. The problem is so many times people wear jewelry fully knowing that this is something that as, a, as, a, as Adventists we've said, eh, it's not that big a deal. And they'll specifically wear it to kind of stick it to the man or, you know what I mean? Like she doesn't have a problem if someone's a visitor. Like she doesn't have problems with earrings or piercings or jewelry in general, but she goes, some people wear it specifically. I don't because I just, I don't want to, I don't, if, if she wore it, it would be to, to say a message. It wouldn't be to express herself or to make herself feel better or even to accentuate an outfit. It would be to send a message. And she goes, I don't want to send a message. Yep. And that's the motivation behind it. If you're wearing it to stick it to all the old people, that's a problem. Which yeah, is, which is I, why I see. I see. I, I'll, I'll even go. That's why I don't wear jeans to church. Like, I don't wear clothes that I will feel comfortable wearing to church when I go up as a pastor because I know there's a generation of people that will not hear my sermon. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. Yes, but at the same time, like at some point, it is on them too. Well, it is on them and, too, but it's like I mean, that's that's my personal like, choice. I can't control how right, they react, and that's fine. Like that, that's but your for choice. Me, that's like, how I personally look at it, and I go, I won't wear that, but just because I'm like, I want you to hear the sermon. If, if all it takes is me wearing uncomfortable shoes for three hours, because church shoes are so uncomfortable. Um, if that's you're all wearing it takes, the wrong church shoes, fam. I have wide feet. I have wide uh, feet. Yeah, you got. We got. We got to get you I fixed know. up, man. Um, well, I have some nice ones now. I bought some nice boots. Uh, boots are great. I'm so glad that they've come into fashion. Now the point. Um, but, like, literally, it's like, if, I, if that's all it takes is me wearing uncomfortable shoes and a tie, and I hate ties, but if that's what it takes, all right, that's that's an inconvenience for me. Um, all right. 
let's move on. So, moving on. Uh, we've we've talked about that for almost twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but I think it's good to kind of start with that because everything else yeah. is kind of going to bend on towards those points. So this one is a little bit different though, in that it is uh, bacon, unclean foods. So just for the non-Adventist listeners, so you understand, like unclean meats in in general. So this is like um, shrimp, bottom feeders, pigs, uh, things like that. Lobsters. Anything that's mentioned in Leviticus that that is or is not acceptable. Yeah, uh, that's what we consider. That's, ten, that's ten, yeah. And uh, there are, there are sort of reasons for it too. If you look at Genesis, where uh, clean versus unclean meats were distinguished, even on the excuse me, even on the ark. Uh, or you, and, and there are some, there, there's a lot of uh, Christians who will cite Acts 9, Peter's vision of the, of the blanket with all of the, the meats come da- coming down and, and God saying, don't declare unclean what I have made clean. And they go, see, God made it all clean. And my response to that is read for about 30 more seconds. And you'll find out that that vision, that dream had nothing to do with meat. It was just an object lesson. I'm going to explain a metaphor to you. Yeah, so that's that's just so we're clear on, on on that. So if you if you think Acts nine is the reason, and then there's a section in Mark where it says it's not what uh, Jesus goes, it's not what comes or what goes, goes into, into a man's, man's body, it's what, uh, what comes out of a man's body that that defiles him. And then there's a par- in parentheses it'll say something to the effect of in saying this Jesus declared all foods clean. That is a parenthetical reference added later. It is not a part of the original manuscript that we know of. So those are my responses to those two things, just just so we're clear. But in general, we tend to follow the unclean meats because there's evidence of it being before the Levitical laws, and there's no evidence that that was really ever changed, right? They, like the foods, while most of the Levitical laws or, or things changed because the situations change as well with the foods, the foods themselves haven't changed. Like the, the nature of the animals did not change after Jesus died for our sins. Yeah, like, so, like this isn't a cultural or uh, ritualistic thing. Like this is a health general health okay. principle yeah. that that hasn't changed um even even what you're supposed to eat on the clean animals like they were very specific like don't eat the fat above this don't eat this organ like you're not supposed to eat liver yeah. ever and the reason is because it's a giant filter like all the crap that your body filters from your blood stays there and god's like you probably shouldn't put that back into your body um yeah. and that's the reason behind it so what I find, so I'm going to talk about this from the double standard point of view, which is like Adventism by and large has uh, in its attempt to avoid meats in general, because the Adventists also adopt on the denomination level or on an institutional level, adopt vegetarianism and many individual Adventists do as well. And in our efforts to avoid meat and those foods, uh, instead, what we do is we just replace them with a whole ton of cheese and a whole ton of salt. Especially if you go to summer camp, especially if you go to an Adventist school or an Adventist university, uh, you will find copious amounts of cheese and salt. And this is my issue. If you're going to stop eating bacon or meat in the name of health, then I do find it funny that then we would replace that institutionally with with a with a way too much salt or way too much uh, cheese diet. And, and, and so I find I, I do find that interesting, but I do think this one's a little bit more objective because like the list is specifically given in scripture and that nothing about that list has changed. Uh, even the way now, the way that those those animals might be processed or, you know, or, or, you know, killed and, and the process from killing the animal to the to your plate has changed 
food science has changed in in like the, the not food science but we we have a greater understanding of it um generally these are still things that Nutrition we typically try and, yeah. to avoid yeah. um there are legitimate health reasons for not eating bacon we, now now well acts 15 i think kind of explains the, the most what this like the point is not you're not not a christian if you eat clams right that like, was literally where I was going yeah, next. Yeah. Was like you are not going to hell because you ate unclean meats. However, this does not stop me from when a good friend of mine eats unclean meat in front of me, I go, "Hey, what does hell taste like?" Just oh, no, because shame it's them. funny. Shame them. Yeah. Absolutely. I sh- uh, shame <laughs> shame the non-believer. Shame. shame. No, the uh, shame. the the shame. This is not a make it or break it no. thing. I'm sorry. I do not see no, and I will never not. see unclean meat. As a make it or break it thing. Honestly, um, I, I I think when we go back to even principles, this is such, because of Acts 15, and I know that there are greater principles that work there, but when I look at Acts 15, I'm like, yeah. I, you know, the other thing was, is Romans, I want to say 10. I can't remember exactly where it is, uh, but Paul talks about this idea of like, hey, you know, some people can eat. And, Romans 14. Romans 14, yeah. Some people can eat and they're fine. Uh, but if you are okay eating, but they're like, no, like they can't handle it. They're spiritually immature. And to me, again, if somebody chooses not to eat, um, but has a problem with other people eating, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. But if you choose not to eat and are just fine with letting other people understand and living your life, that's a sign of spiritual maturity because not only are you, are you saying, Hey, this is better for me, but I want to help other people. But mm-hmm. the idea that you would say, well, you're going to hell for eating pork, that's your, that you don't really understand how God works. Yep. So I think that's what we're going to say about that one. I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here. Like I said, this isn't a Bible it's study. Really easy. I wanted to yeah. give context for, I wanted to give context for non-Adventists, but outside of that, yeah. Just, all right. Don't, all I'm saying is you don't get the, uh, the oyster sweats from, uh, 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 doggone it. Ah, ah. Parmesan garlic, the ah, where the the morning garlic morning nut? star, no morning star, morning star patties, grillers, no, but the the little chick nuggets. I don't remember. Anyway, the point is, you don't get oyster sweats from that. Is what I was trying to say. So, okay, it was meant to well, be that, funny. That, it was meant to be funny. Never mind. Skip this it. Is, this made me feel uncomfortable. Moving All right, on. Uh, so let's talk about uh, drinking, smoking, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, same deal. Where's your heart on this? Um, the other thing is, uh, the, the other thing on drinking is this, and, and I had a lot of professors tell me that, oh, well, the, the, you know, the Bible strictly prohibits alcohol and fermented alcohol and the wine that Jesus made was unfermented grape juice and all this. And, and the only reason old ancient Israel drank wine was because they didn't have any water in the desert. Okay. Let me be clear on this. In first Corinthians 16, Paul is talking to, I think it's 16, Paul is talking. Let me be clear, and then not be, un, and then be unsure of the scripture be, reference. That'll let me go be well. Super clear, I think. Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about communion, and he's saying like some of you are getting drunk off the communion wine, while others are unable to even partake. And you, let me be clear: you cannot get drunk off of something that is unfermented. You're not going to do that. You'll you'll get bloated, but you're not going to lose control of your faculties over it. Uh, Jesus's first miracle was giving wine to a, you know, for a party for a giant wedding in Cana and and turning water into wine. This is something that while yes, it's, it's entirely possible that that specific miracle 
was unfermented grape juice. I highly doubt that that was the beverage of choice for a wedding in Cana. Let me just be clear about that. So uh, with drinking, I think the Christian standard here is um, actually Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, the first eight verses, uh, um, Lemuel is a king and his mother writes him a letter and she says, uh, Lemuel, don't get drunk off of your own wine. Instead, save it for the poor outside of your gates uh, so that they can drink and forget their troubles. And this is like, in other words, give up the, for, the you know, uh, serve those who are below you. But even then there was this understanding that the wine that they were drinking would make you forget or you would drink away your sorrows or, you know, the same alcohol that we're talking about today. And just there's a lot more alcohol today. So uh, the Christian, uh, the line in the Bible t- seems to be don't get drunk, but alcohol itself, there's nothing innately evil about alcohol. That being said, and I cannot, I really wish I could on this podcast. I just can't. Um, I can't at this point be 100% transparent for why I say this, but I do have personal experience regarding this. I do not think that alcohol is the best decision. I don't think it's a good decision. I don't even think it's something that to play with. That's where I tend to stand on this. But I don't think you're a sinner for drinking. Um, and there are very few people, if any people, I can count them on one hand, maybe, uh, like and when I say maybe, not that there are more, but that I don't even, I don't know how confidently I can raise a hand and say that people don't get drunk. But everyone that, that tells me they're a social drinker, like I doubt, uh, I, I then every single time I found out, oh, well, there was this, there was this time recently where you were completely drunk and completely wasted. And I think, okay, well, then, then you're missing, like, then you're abusing alcohol at that point. And so I do have issues with over drinking. And I think the Bible does too. Losing your faculties is really, I think, the main thing there. Same with narcotics. Narcotics is something that does affect um, uh, affect that. Now, I will say, uh, to any extent, drugs in general, whether it's ibuprofen, penicillin, painkillers, um, whether it's um, whether it's a uh, those all affect the way that your body will process something and does affect your mental state. Um, and, and in many cases, ibuprofen, while it isn't anti-inflammatory, it also kind of just like. The pain doesn't exist in your mind until the ibuprofen wears off. It is something that does affect your mind. Not everything that affects your mind is something that's bad for you. So I do want to be clear there and just saying like, that's not just a good enough reason. I'm sorry. If you do that, then you need to just throw out all of modern medicine. But um, I don't think alcoholic beverages on their own are innately evil. I do think that getting drunk is something that is bad. I think it's something that isn't really that is, it is something that's condemned by scripture. And I think it's for good reason. Just look at how many lives are completely ruined by the presence of alcohol. So I, I tend to be very, but that being said, I do not, I have several friends that drink, don't care at all that they drink. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't affect my friendship with them in any I way, mean, shape or does, form. Other when, than that, I don't, when they're drunk, like, well, it does. It does yeah. When they're drunk, it does. Sense, and obviously but, I don't go like, with them when yeah. they drink. But the but yeah, for the most part, no. I'm with I, I'm still with you. Um, I've had multiple multiple family members, and we've talked about this I think before on this podcast. But I, I've had multiple family members that um, very very close to that were severely affected by um, some form of narcotic, whether it's alcohol or drugs or you know something like that. Um, <clears throat> my dad's mom, I never met him because he was an alcoholic. Uh, he was a country singer from the south, and he drank a lot. And, uh, uh, I've been able to meet, uh, some of his, his friends, uh, his, his, my step grandma, um, you know, his wife, uh, uh, was able to tell some stuff and she goes, yeah, he would have been, 
huge, but he was he was hooked. He was addicted. Um, I have a an addictive personality. Uh, because of that, I'm predisposed towards addiction. So I'm very careful about anything I put in my body: sugar, video games, uh, reading. You know, I'll spend the entire day literally in a book if I'm not careful. So I have to be very careful with that kind of stuff. And and I'm with you. It's it's a principle because I can't lose control off of lemonade. But I have had way too much lemonade in an afternoon. Um, you know, I had one time, I think I had like 17 cans of, you know, pink lemonade or something. And it was like a picnic and they just had a ton of it. And so I just kept going, going, going. And it's like, that's too much sugar. Like, that's not good for you. But I didn't get in a, like, I could operate a vehicle. You know what I mean? If I have that. And so you just, there's certain things that it's just safer to stay away from. But again, it's not bad for you. I have a little bit of a different feeling about smoking um, because uh, of secondhand smoke. So you are affecting those around you. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, smoking is. is I have a different asthma, story. so I feel the exact same way as you. Um, but again, I you know as far as marijuana, medical marijuana, marijuana, all that kind of stuff, you know, ultimately it really it it, it goes it goes to the point of why are you using it, right? What's the what's the motivation behind it? Um, I have a friend, a good friend, and she has really bad anxiety and. You know what? She she has a little bit of marijuana to help her go to sleep. And she was really bothered by the fact that, you know, I was around her and she was like, I'm sorry, I, I just I have to do that. I, I can't relax. I can't sleep. And I was like, hey, you know, do what you got to do to sleep. And it's not like she was like jittery, like I can't do it. It's like she's like, I won't go to sleep. I will literally I will stay up in yeah. bed staring at the ceiling. Um, and so there's a little bit of a placebo effect there, but it really does affect her. And so it's like, yeah, OK. And she's tried all the all the other stuff, the melatonin and the blah, 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 blah. Um, and she doesn't like drinking, right? A lot, um, in that way to help her go to sleep because it takes a lot more alcohol. And so to me, I was like, you know what? Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to judge you because of that. I don't think she's going to hell because of that. Um, but I do think that God wants us to be as healthy as possible. And, and something like that can't, the more you use it, right, the easier it becomes, um, I have to limit myself sometimes to, to literally say, I'm going to put a timer on my phone because if I am not careful, I have four hours and I will play video games. You know, when I sit down to play mm-hmm. FIFA, I'll play this for four hours. Like I'll play it until I can, like, I'm like, I need to go to sleep. It's three in the morning. Um, and I started this at, you know, five in the afternoon. So, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of that. And we need to be aware in all aspects when it comes to drinking, smoking, narcotics, all that kind of stuff. The only one that I really have a major, major, major issue with is smoking because it affects those around you. You're literally giving cancer to everyone around you. Um, and I think that you realistically, whenever you do something that that you can lose control with, you have to be super careful with that. And it's just safer not to. Yeah. That being said, I don't think a single person that does these things is going to hell simply by just virtue by of that. losing no. salvation, no. just by virtue of doing these things. But if any of these things have become the Lord of your life, yeah. and if God told you today, put this down, and you wouldn't. And you're like, no, I don't want to. Then you've then that's your pro- like that's where it is, and that's yeah. where I say this is a heart issue. The behaviors are just a symptom. Yes. And, and, yes. and these, 
And these, by and large, are amoral or neutral objective. Like, these are things that can be symptoms. It's like Or music, they can just be things. Right? I mean, we talked about music in the same way, right? Music is neither good nor bad. It's simply a tool. Now, can music get you excited? Can music, you know, do these things? Yes. I used to listen to heavy metal when I was younger. And it got me agitated and angry. And, and you know, you can't listen to System of a Down and not get, you know, uh, like, if you listen to System of a Down... Or, you know, Mindless Self-Indulgence or some of these other hard bands and you don't get like, you're a sociopath, right? Like you're <laughs> like there's something that like there is there's bigger oh. things because. OK, then I'm a sociopath. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but those, I, granted, I don't listen to either that, of those bands. <laughs> but that music. Well, I listen to system. I listen to system. The, the, but seriously, like I would listen to that like for workout music because it got you hype. Um, that's the point. It was it was meant to get you up, to get you excited, to get you going. Um, and if and if it you know if it really didn't affect you, you know, like I was joking, but like it really did. If if that can't get you hype, well, okay, something must be up because that's the kind of thing that that it's it's built for. In the same well, way, would, it has an effect of you, but these other things have an adverse effect on you, or or an emotional effect. It has a it has a response to it, but the thing itself. Right. Even metal music on its own is not good or bad. It's what it's saying. It's what it's being used for. Why are you listening to it? Why are you putting this? Why are you digesting this? It's a neutral tool. It's 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 completely it's completely meant for. Or it's not completely meant, but it's something that the user. It's not meant for anything. Like it's not meant that's what it's just not meant. It's, it's, it's something that conveys a concept. Yeah. Now, I do disagree with you. I don't think that the purpose of that music is to hype people up. I think the purpose of that music is expression. But well, that's neither true. here nor I mean, there. That's true. Uh, <laughs> that's like that's that's a completely different conversation anyway. Right. But as someone who listens to it, like I know very well, I can listen to a lot of that music in a completely different state of mind and uh, have it a completely different outcome. So, well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do want to talk about one more. Uh, because I'm really passionate about this one, and I think it's really important that we talk about this, um, because I think this one, as an idea, has a lot more implications for the church, uh, and I did mention it also, so we have to talk about it. So we're going over today, everyone. This episode is going to be longer. Uh, swearing. Yeah. Cursing. Yeah. This is uh, this is the most hypocritical thing in, like, not the most, but this is one of the most hypocritical things I see in the church. And I've said this before on this podcast. I've said it in other podcasts. But for some reason, uh, language, while words have power, do not get me wrong. One of the one of the most uh, clearly uh, implied messages throughout Scripture is that words have power. When Jesus goes to calm a storm, he doesn't will it into submission. He speaks it. He rebukes the storm out loud. Whenever he raises someone from the dead, he says, so-and-so, get up. And in fact, it's implied, and, and one of the, you know, this has been something that the pastors talk about a lot. It's implied that, or, or it's thought that the reason he has to use their name is because if he doesn't use their name, everyone would get up, right? If, he's, if he doesn't say Lazarus, get up, Lazarus plus other people will also get up. Uh, so like words themselves do have power, sure. But the meaning that words have is completely dependent on the culture that created them or that uses them. Or the person you right. It, if I said Lazarus yeah. get up, nothing gonna happen. Yeah. Um, or I can I can, you know, pastors are totally fine saying ask if it appears in the Bible. 
And actually, if you look at, I think it's First Kings 16, 11, First Kings 16, 11, I think, is, or Second Kings 16, uh, where the Bible uses pissed. Um, there, there are, <laughs> there are, uh, or we talk about the damned, right? These are curse words. But every, my uses of them, no one has any issue with because I use them in relation to their scriptural references. Uh, so it's a completely dependent on culture and context. And here's my issue with this. We say those words are filthy or those use are used to tear people down. And that's what's wrong with them. This is my soapbox. I do not find it okay that we will ban certain words and yet we are completely okay with completely assassinating someone's character as long as we don't swear in the process. We will write slam articles about each other. We will outright question people's motives and question whether or not they even love Jesus. We'll say you are, uh, you are following Satan or you are satanic yeah. in your behaviors. And we've done this before. Absolutely. Like that's happened on this podcast before. Uh, and we've said like, suddenly that's okay. But if you say the F word, oh, you're a terrible human being. And that's just too far. That is the biggest amount of bull crap <laughs> um that i can that i can think of it 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 like it you can hear it in my voice like i'm boiling right now thinking about that because it's utterly ridiculous well and the reality is yes they're n- they're not the most creative of words and people use them as a substitute for la- for like creative language or or really being able to stop they're highly emotional words but at the same time they are highly emotional right um, the purpose that, and a lot of people, and this is probably what we're going to hear, is like, oh, well, a Christian shouldn't sound like that. A Christian shouldn't be like that. And to me, I put that in the same context of, okay, well, that's that's the positive, encouraging fallacy, right? Yes, a Christian should always present something like Christ, but Christ also said, hey, if you go to somebody and say, Raka, yeah, you, you're in trouble with the synagogue, which was a swear word. But he goes, but if you say you fool, you're in, in the trouble of hell. Like, Jesus didn't have a problem with swearing. Jesus had a problem with people, you know, making fun of other people and tearing other people devaluing down. Devaluing God's... And so, he had a problem with, with, with his creation being devalued. And so if you're using a swear word as, as something because you're emotional, because you hit your hand or something like that, yes, it might feel crass. It might not be the best. But don't confuse that with, well, he's not a, well, I just never thought a Christian would say, I just never thought a, yeah, Christians feel feelings. Christians are emotional. Um, Jesus, when Jesus talks, when he rebukes, when he rebukes the wind and the sea, like he uses a ver- our version of literally shut up. Like, like that's the, that's the implication there is it's this like command to be quiet and it's not just silence, peace, be still. It's, it's literally shut and then he turns to the disciples. What? What do you want? What? What's the problem? And and so to pretend that Jesus was just this calm individual all the time, and he was just always in control of him. No, he he felt feelings. So to 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 represent Christ, but to deny that you have emotions or feelings, and to do so in a culture that doesn't necessarily. Like people say, oh well, I I went to a movie, but they said some words, and I wasn't comfortable with that. Okay, that's fair, but at the same time, you know what they meant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like the, Goodfellas says, I think the f word like a hundred and something times. Like that's too much, but that's how they talk, right? Well, I mean, is it though? They uh, say and three. It, they say and three hundred times. Yeah. That, 
They, they, I, I've met a, yeah, they, they do say that a lot over there. But I think, but, I, I, but I mean, I, I think it's subjective still. It's still, I know it is, and it's like, but if you say, okay, well, all right, it's unnecessary, it's unneeded. Okay, I argue all of that, but to say, oh, well, that's not how a Christian should act. What you're doing is creating a fallacy that says, well, Christians are a perfect all the time. B, don't experience emotions, and C, aren't able to truly express those emotions. Um, scientists have said, by censoring yourself, you're actually keeping uh, uh, the, the oh, what's the chemical that, my brain is just off today. The chemical, I think it's dopamine. Um, it's dopamine. For, for pain, yeah. So when you hit your thumb, and you hold back, and you don't let out the whatever, beep, that you were going to let out, um, it literally keeps dopamine from going to your system. So you are in more pain rather than just being like, oh! yeah. Mythbusters tested this, and it's a real thing. Like it's not well. And why? Why is it that? Why is it that swearing is the first place we go to when we get hurt? Because other than we, because it's such an emotionally evocative word. We know. Yeah, these no, are that's the a, yeah, exactly. As, as well, far as our culture understands yeah. it. My question is, what are you using those words to do? Exactly. If you're and and this is my perfect example of this is the song "Prayer" or "A Prayer" by King's Kaleidoscope. Uh, that song is actually written, it's very soft for the first like two minutes, and then at the end it gets like super loud. And the reason is the first portion is the lead singer, Chad, uh, he's writing, he's li- he's basically reading out of an old journal. And he's singing this prayer of like, I'm so alone, God, where are you? How long is this pain going to last? And he drops the F-bomb in that, in that twice. Because he's in a place that is so dark and so uh, lonely and so scary and the walls are closing in and everything is coming in around him and people completely miss the forest for the trees when they hear this song because they think, oh, well, he said the F word, so this song isn't good. The end of that song is then Jesus responding to that prayer and saying, no, I've been with you the whole time. I'm right there with you and we're going to make it through this together. It's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I love that song. And um, my Jesus also becomes, says to him in the song, he's like, don't swear. Please don't swear. So it, yeah, it totally yeah. he goes, no, oh, and by the way, yeah, I can only way, save you if you stop, yeah, swearing. stop swearing next time. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the reason you're in that dark, lonely hole is because you it's because you use the F word. If you didn't use the F word, everything would be fine. Yeah. This is like, why are you using the words? It'd and who fine. are you? You know, I think um, my question is, if you go in the forest and no one's around to hear it, is it still a swear word? Yeah. And that's that's what I find funny for a church that is so dependent on not being controlled by the world. We tend to then let ourselves be let our language be controlled by the world. Yeah. The world gets to decide what the the power of words are instead of the creator. And that's what I find fascinating in our in our theology around swearing. And I would I would um, say that assassinating someone's character is more offensive to God than using words that no longer have their meaning. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless you're literally saying it to, like, if you go to a woman and say, I want to F word, then, yeah, okay, then you're using it for its purpose, and that, that could be considered, like, especially if that's not someone you're, you're married to, and, and you're like, that's not how you guys communicate with each other, that could be, all right, that's offensive. But if you're just like, bleep, and you're not using it at a person, you're not saying it to someone, okay, again, same thing with, I don't want to maybe offend the people around me, but... How is that a sin? Like, how is that? Oh, well, a Christian shouldn't shouldn't talk like that. Well, then, how should they talk? Because I hear how you talk in your spare time, Mabel. Right? Like, if we attack yeah, gossip Mabel. and and pride the same way we attack some of these things that are non sin, that God specifically like, like twice He mentions people 
that gossip as as thing that God hates in in Proverbs. And it's like, all right, so if we attacked that, something that God deliberately hates, the same way that we attack some of these things that aren't sinful, man, we'd have to empty out so many of our churches. Yep. Like gossip was a I, big deal that we had to deal with at, at, at some churches that I, had, I was at growing up. And it's like, why are people stirring up problems just yeah. to stir up problems? Like assassinating someone's character, going after somebody like that, rather than having a mentality of this is my brother I'm, I'm, or this is my sister. Um, try to use inclusive language. Uh, I want to, I want to protect them. I want to help them. You know, Hey, we need to, we need to pray for them because I think they have some beliefs that are wrong. Um, and this is something that by, by the way, I've been looking at my own life, um, and reviewing and, and talking to friends. Um, and you know, people come up to me and they go, man, in your podcast, you kind of go after some of these people really hard. And I go, well, I'm trying to hold them accountable. And they're like, well, I think you just need to be careful because that's a fine line. And I'm like, you know what? You're so right. Because I, I, I do, I have, I've come out strong on some of these things swinging and it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I do care about them. Um, and we've said before, like we say things because we think it can get better. But when it comes to these type of stuff, I think the motivation behind it absolutely has to be the reason. What is your reasoning for it? Are you doing it to offend someone? Are you doing it to hurt someone? Are you doing it because you need it because you cannot, your self-worth uh, 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 isn't enough without it? Or is it because this is the culture that you're in, or this is how you have fun, or this is, you know, just a way to take the edge off something? If that's the reason you're doing it, hey, you know what? There's there's nothing. I I don't think the Bible has anything against these stuff that we've talked about. However, if God's put you under conviction, saying, "Hey, this is something that's going to keep you from from growing with me," that's I think when you need to decide. Mm-hmm. All right, this is something I got to cut out. I actually referenced Andy Mineo in the last episode, and I'm going to reference him again in the same exact Bad Christian interview. But he talked about how there was a time in his life where he burned all his secular music. And he said, for that time in my life, that was absolutely the right thing to do for me. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Maybe for these things, this is the thing that you need to put away in order to become closer to God. But I actually want to I want to end this... Um, I really want to end this with with a, with a couple of reminders. The first of all is, you know, Paul does say um, that not everything that is good is beneficial. And so I think we should be wise in what we do in our intake. I think we should be questioning our motives for why we do things. And if we're, li- if we're living just because it feels good, I don't know that feeling good is always the right reason to do something. But I will say this, uh, the last sentence of Fundamental Belief 22 Instead, we are to engage in whatever brings our thoughts and bodies into the discipline of Christ who desires our wholesomeness, joy, and goodness. If you are so focused on your behaviors or the behaviors of others that you are losing your wholesomeness, your joy, and your goodness, then you're focusing on them way too much, and your heart is in the wrong place. Even if your intentions are good, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well... Um, this is, that's not an original quote, obviously, but, um, this is my, I'm not saying like you get to live carefree. I, I, you know, I'm not saying that you get to live carefree and, you know, do whatever you want. That's not it at all. I think there's, there's plenty of room for, I want you, here's my thing is I want you to be able to explain and have an answer for why you do the things you do. Absolutely. And I want you to be able to confidently be able to say that as if God was standing in the room in front of you right there and then, uh, because he is too. But um, I want you to be able to say that. I want you to be able to stand by the decisions you make as a human being 
And I want you to be able to understand how those things interact with your relationship with God and your relationship with his creation. And I don't think, even if you're going to swear, right, or you're going to drink or you're going to do all these things and they're okay, and they're okay in your opinion, right? Uh, that doesn't mean that you roll up to the campus of Southern. It doesn't mean that you get to roll up to the campus of Andrews or to your church or wherever, and you just get to say, oh, this is totally cool, and I'm going to do these things. No, you don't be a stumbling block, right? There's an appropriate time and appropriate place. So I would just caution you um, to do whatever you're going to do with clear intentions and be able to stand beside whatever you decide to do, uh, but also be able to know your heart and surround yourselves with people that can call you out when you're going too far in the same way that Tony just shared. So thank you guys so much for listening to this. Are are we growing closer to Jesus, man? Are we growing closer? Is this taking us closer to him? What's the trajectory? Exactly. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. If you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. You can donate financially. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash absurdity podcast. Our contact info is in the show notes. Go like us on Facebook to be more involved with what we're doing here. And if you subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave a review. Thank you guys so much for listening, for being on this journey. We are almost to 100. We've got, what, 23 episodes left, 22 episodes left to get there. So we're on our way. Thank you guys for being a part of this journey. We love you and we thank you. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.